Hello there. You're listening to the Watson's Daily Podcast with me, Peter Watson, on Wednesday, the 16th of March. Today, I'm joined by Duncan Balcon, who is a Watson's Daily ambassador. Hi there, Duncan. How are you doing today? Hi, Peter. I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Very good. Um, strangely hungry um, at the moment, uh, as we find ourselves in the midst. Yeah. Um, uh, but anyway, um, it's, it's got nothing to do with what we're going to be talking about today. But um, what did you find um, most interesting in t- uh, today's edition of Watson's Daily? So the story I found most interesting is a story about in. Yep. Yeah, I'm going to refer to the product they make as chips rather than semiconductors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, um, no, so, <laughs> so, uh, no, so yeah. this is a story originally from the Telegraph. Um, so Intel, yeah. the semiconductor or chip manufacturing company, um, yes. are going to spend 33 billion euros, um, mm. so a substantial amount of money, are on making EU-based semiconductor factories. Um, yeah. So this is basically part of their plan to reduce or end their dependence on um, mm. the Asian market for for semiconductors. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a massive amount of cash to boost manufacturing in Europe, um, specifically in Italy, Poland, uh, Spain and Ireland, which is getting, I think, 12 billion of that. Mm. So, I mean, massive amount of investment um, with like, incentives from the EU as well. And the idea is to kind of obviously spread um, the car production exposure outside of Asia. Uh, mm. Unfortunately, they've chosen to avoid the UK because, well, you know, we're not in the EU anymore. Um, mm-hmm. But also because we didn't offer high enough kickbacks mm. uh, in terms of in terms of car to the company. Mm. So I think this is I think this is really good news because obviously we've been talking a, a lot recently about bringing things and making com- countries wanting to become more self sufficient. Yeah, and and ending like dependence on or on imports, mm-hmm. and much as I know this is only kind of four countries in Europe that are having this put into. Them. Mm-hmm. You assume for other European countries accessing these products is going to be easier from within Europe than it is mm. trying to source them in and import them from Asia. Um, I think it's really mm. good news for the automotive sector because um, obviously we know mm. that a lot of the problem with new cars rolling off forecourts recently has been getting the chips to go in them. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that this will massively improve kind of the supply chain into the automotive sector. Um, mm. Although it is, as with all these things, it's going to take a while. They're pledging the money now. They've still got to build the factories and get them operationally ready and get semiconductors rolling out of them, which is going to be a couple of years. Mm. But it's still a really good step in the right direction. Um, mm. And I've, I've said four countries already, but Germany's also been seeing a lot of investment in this area as well. Um, mm. Tesla's building a gigafactory there. Intel have actually said they're putting, I think, 17 billion mm. into a mega site in Germany, mm. um, which, you know, makes sense. Germany are one of the biggest producers of the cars there are. Um, mm. And I think that particularly is really good news for the kind of UK based consumer mm. um, because we have a bit of a thing for German cars. Mm. Um, <laughs> and uh, one in seven cars made in Germany is exported to the UK. So mm. that is a lot of vehicles every year coming into the UK. So actually, if we're as consumers in the UK getting those quicker and being able to get them more readily because the chips are more accessible to the to the manufacturer, I think that's really good news as well. So, yeah, yeah I think this is really good news for the automotive sector, really good news for Europe as a whole, or hopefully including us. Although they've mm-hmm. said it's in the EU, but I still would say that we're going to find it easier to source chips from Ireland 
them from mm. Asia. Um, mm. So I think, yeah, I think this is, I think this is a really, really good news and a step in the right direction, even though it might take a little while to come to fruition. And mm. um, what's your, what's your take on this one? Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think that this is a, this is a, a good move. Um, I mean, this kind of thing is not going to benefit. Um, you know, uh, supply chains for a, a, a couple of years. So, I mean, usually um, in between committing and you know, building and then production takes about two years. So, we are in a we have, we're in a shortage at the moment, as as I'm sure everyone knows. Um, so, this is good news. I think that in the past, the reason why we well, so the reason why we're in this situation at the moment is in the past the market was awash with chips. <laughs> uh, still feeling hungry. Um, You're not helping and, your uh, hunger, are you? Stop calling them <laughs> chips. <laughs> Where's the source of my information? Uh, hey. Hey. Uh, so anyway, uh, right, sorry about that. Anyway, I saw I dip into in, dip back in. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I I think that. Um, sorry about that. I just don't. Yeah. Uh, anyway, don't worry. No, no more sort of uh, puns at the moment. So yeah, so I think that uh, yeah, the reason why we've got into this situation is because we ha- we have seen <clears throat> um, overproduction uh, in the past. As I say, the market was awash with chips. Um, there wasn't the demand for them. Uh, there was so this oversupply meant that the ch- the chip price went down, um, and obviously it has been rising because there's been uh, increased demand. One of the big uh, differences has been has been um, that, so over COVID, for instance, there's been a huge demand for um, uh, you know laptops and and consumer electronics and all that kind of stuff. So that has been one part of it. Uh, also is the huge increase in the number of uh, electric vehicles being sold. So there's that as well. Um, I think that both of those are going to continue. Um, I think, for instance, you know, it just is amazing to think that here we are now pretty much two years into COVID, uh, you know, two years after the initial kind of shutdowns and everything. And I wonder now, you know, whether you'll get, um, people who maybe didn't buy a laptop or something during lockdown because maybe they bought one a year or two before, um, actually they're going to start, you know, the, 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 their replacement cycle is going to start kicking in along with obviously more uh-huh. people doing hybrid working and all that kind of thing. So I, I would suspect that the demand is still going to be there. In terms of the cars, it's definitely going to be there because um, there is this whole uh, thing with with various countries having various deadlines for um, selling electric vehicles, and that de- those deadlines are getting closer, not further away. Mm. And electric vehicles use more semiconductors or chips um, as as um, you know than, than uh, internal uh, combustion engine cars. So the demand is definitely going to be there i don't think that we're going to be in a situation where we were before where they overproduced and then were like left wearing loads of inventory now mm. you know there is a definite thing and you know if you think about sort of if if the internet of things ever does actually really take off which it might do because remember recently um there was this thing about you know apple and google and samsung etc getting together and uh, having a, like a common thing where you could speak to all your devices um, and mm. they'd all be compatible. So if that actually helps that as well, then that'll be even more demand because 
that will also potentially boost the sale of um, of goods that have more chips in, for instance. Absolutely. So, and, and like I said, and then looking again with those companies and Meta's idea of <laughs> having a metaverse, um, hmm. that's another thing. You're going to have to have way more servers to make that possible. Servers hmm. in quite, involves more chips. Hmm. Like I said, I, I agree with you in the sense that as things yep. become more and more automated more and technical mm. you're going you're not going to run out of a need for these products no no you and, might run out of a supply sooner rather yeah. sooner rather than later yeah. but you're not going to run out of a need for a while yeah and and uh, i suppose actually if you talk about the net metaverse you know all the um uh, access via goggles right i mean exactly. um you know, the, the these things you you can't use the metaverse until you're actually in it via the goggles so you Mm. need that and i would argue that sales of goggles are not huge at the moment so there is an expert if people really do start looking at the metaverse seriously and doing things on there sales of those are you know going to go up quite considerably so another source of uh potential demand there so yeah so i think it's a a, a good story that yeah, and it's probably only a matter of time before they decide what um, what common accessory needs to become smart as well, isn't it? We've done watches, we've done glasses. Mm-hmm. At some point, there will be another common accessory that needs to become smart, and then you've got a whole another line of yeah. of chips and need making. So well, it's going to yeah. impact such a wide range of wide range of um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying to look for. Stuff. I'm trying to say something. Stuff. That stuff. Wide yeah, range of stuff. stuff. Yeah. yeah, industries. That's what I meant. Exactly. <laughs> well, I was going to say actually, you know, you're thinking in terms of what would you uh, as a as a guy you know walking out the door what do you need you need um you might need your glasses to see <laughs> you might need your glasses so they're they're becoming you know they're becoming smart actually that's a point isn't it you know things like the google glass replacements um for instance yeah. which well, the, the is surely, yes is surely you know is surely uh, coming along um we've got uh, the watch as well um yeah. you could argue that we've already got smart wallets um, yep. because of things like Apple Pay, etc. So what else is there? I mean... You can get smart rings now as well, can't you, with watches. What do, so, they, what do they do then? I think primarily at the moment they're designed to kind of track basic levels of activity and sleep. I think the, the, kind of oh, the, ones nice, that are, okay. the better ones mainly track sleep through kind of, mm. because apparently you get quite a good heart, heart rate reading off your finger. I don't know. Um, but <laughs> I'd imagine as, if they manage to make chips do more and more the smaller yeah. they get, you'll be able to pay. I think some of them you can pay with as well. I think some of them work on contactless payment. So, so yeah, you, like I said, there's so many accessories. There. Smart earrings? Chips with them. Exactly. Why not? Oh, can you Smart. imagine someone paying contactless with their ears? <laughs> <laughs> that would be good, wouldn't it? That would be good. Uh, hold on a minute. I'll just... Uh, no, anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. So let me get my ears out. Um Okay, um, so on that on that job, uh, should we move on, on from that, that before we get ridiculous? Yeah, yeah on that note, um, on that note, yeah. Let's. So today, I thought I would talk about. You know, I referred to this in Watson's Daily today. So I've got a section with actions and consequences. With actions being um, kind of sanctions or actions taken. You know, with regard to uh, uh, Ukraine, Russia, uh, and but I think there was quite an interesting um pattern we are starting to see in terms of consequences or reactions to these sanctions and it seems Hmm. to me that um lines red lines are being are being crossed so i think 
for instance, there there have been controversial things which in the past have been um, batted away that are now being reconsidered in the light of the fact that we need to get energy sorted very mm. quickly uh, and we also need to uh, make sure that we are more self-sufficient and less reliant on Russia for gas and oil. So mm-hmm. um, one of the things, uh, one of the stories here was was about RWE, the you know, German uh, utilities company, um, that is uh, talking about bringing coal power stations back online. So that's one thing. So we've been moving away from those those kind of things in the past, but they're they're back on the table again. We've got um, also with regard to oil and gas, we've got um, uh, you know Bojo and Chums are are looking at uh, a plan on how to boost our you know en- uh, boost energy, um, and it looks like they could be abandoning some of the promises that were made during COP twenty six last year um with regards to um relaxing um net zero rules for north sea oil extraction so that is also very interesting because that must i mean obviously you made a right old song and dance about it at the time obviously you haven't got a crystal ball you have to uh, react to the way that events unfold so it would be kind of extreme uh, for them to go back on the net zero. But then again, you could also say that, well, it's it's understandable um, given current circumstances and the fact that we need um, to uh, get, you know, be responsible for more of our own energy as a matter of urgency. Uh, and mm. the other red line as well, which I thought was interesting, was the fact that um, farmers are now looking again at um, GM um, so genetically modified um, farming or crops, you know, crops um, because you, Ukraine, you know, Ukraine and Russia is so massively responsible for wheat and other things that, again, we need to be more self-sufficient. And if you can use G- the argument goes, if you can use GM stuff, then your yields and stuff will be a lot better. You might need less fertilizer less energy all sorts of things so it's very interesting to see how these um red lines are being crossed um but what what do you think yeah i I think it's interesting and yeah they they're pretty much taking these like current climate as a reason to jump across these lines aren't they Uh, Mm. and it's it's interesting because like i said for most of these these things the argument against and the campaigns against have been very much in kind of an environmental basis or an eco basis and it's going to be interesting to see whether the campaigners that are responsible for that, I think, are so upset by it when it's a case of, well, it's either either we're going to have to go back to some of these older ways that are less environmentally friendly, mm. or the prices of some consumables are just going to keep skyrocketing. Mm. Um, which I think, let's be honest, we're trying to increase like supply by doing these things rather than kind of running short on things and having to charge more for them. And I think it, it then becomes a real kind of moral dilemma, doesn't it? Because mm. uh, and we've said this a few times on the podcast and, and you mentioned it when we chatted earlier. It's really easy to be green when you've got lots of money. Mm. It's very easy to take the environmentally friendly way when money is not an issue. Yeah. But when people are then going to be chose, having to choose between, well, do we allow genetically modified crops or yeah. do we accept the fact that we're going to have to pay three times as much for our weekly shopping? 
Yeah. I, I think it then becomes a much more a well. Actually, do I want to be on the moral high ground, or do I want to be able to afford to to live? Yeah. <laughs> and and th- and at that point, I think yeah, I think you you can quite easily make the argument that these crossings of red red lines are really mm. a necessity to allow the populations of these countries mm. without like living really really tight for the, the entire mm. like for the next couple of years so i think i think it's really interesting that they kind of that these governments are jumping over these red lines um mm. but at the same time it, it does almost seem like a necessary evil and this is going mm. from i'm normally quite eco-conscious mm. but it does seem like a necessary evil in terms of allowing people to live without mass mm. the whole time. Mm. 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 No, fair enough. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I do think that I think that we, we they are having to, but I suppose that the they that um, the right thing to do would be to have a timetable to say, right, yeah. okay, we'll do it now, but we'll scale it back over X amount of time. And then see how that yeah. goes. Oh, or even um, then go into. We'll keep it stopped. We're going back to. Mm. I mean, because to be fair, the people have mm. made promises, and these are. Mm. This has been signed on legally binding paperwork. <laughs> so, so it's not mm. like we can just ignore it forever. Um, but yeah, the definitely no. if if it is deemed a necessary evil, then there definitely needs to be some sort of schedule for how long it's allowed to last for. Yeah, because definitely. we can't continue, you can't continue all the kind of eco unfriendly practices no, indefinitely no. just of, because of something that's happening now. And we don't know how long mm. that this the kind of conflict in Ukraine is going to last. So exactly. it's impossible to kind of put a defined endpoint on it, but there definitely needs to be mm. some like for reassessing the position, mm. I think. Mm. No, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, so, yeah, so there you go. So I think that. Um, two very interesting um topics um from from today mm. um and i just wanted to mention um actually that you know if you go on the watson's daily website uh and if you're a subscriber you'll see this there's a section for forums and there's another very interesting topic that is a very hot topic at the moment that we're talking about on there and one of um the uh, watson's daily ambassadors hamzy she is uh, she put something on there yesterday about aircraft leasing. Again, doesn't mm. sound like massively, you think, mm, you know, it is huge. You know, the fact that we've got 10 or there are $10 billion worth of planes sat around in, in Russia, um, you know, how that's going to affect so many things. I mean, you know, the, the it's going to affect the aviation industry as a whole. Um, it may, you know, do, will it mean that we're going to see, um uh you know more orders for planes from boeing um and uh and airbus for instance um does this does this mean that more uh places are going to buy their airplanes or fewer are going to buy their airplanes are the lessors going to tighten their um tighten their um uh terms and conditions insurers what's it going to happen oh, yeah, there's so many things so it is an interesting subject. If you've got anything to say, or you want to ask about it, then obviously go on to our forums on the watsonsdaily.com website. Anyway, um, I think that we'll call an end to it there. Um, and uh, yeah, just to say um, thank you very much, as always, Duncan, for um, your insight today. No, thank um, you. It's a pleasure, and, uh, as always. 
No problem, no problem. And <laughs> thank you, as always, to listeners for listening to us. And uh, we'll be back again tomorrow. So many thanks. That's it. Bye. Look forward to it. Bye.